Our text comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we've gathered here to encounter your word. So please, dear Savior, do not pass us by. Be gracious to our seeking, that your word may transform us closer into the image of the word made flesh, in whose name we pray. Amen. This morning I am continuing in a series of homilies based on the Beatitudes, that beginning part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he describes what life is like in the kingdom of God. As a community that aspires to be a covenant community, these Beatitudes provide a very helpful glimpse into what life in Christ can look like, what our community can become. The interpretive key to each of the Beatitudes, of course, is the word blessed. The blessing, or the grace of following Jesus into the kingdom of God is that it puts you on a road you did not expect to take. Last week we looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's not what we expected. We would expect Jesus to say blessed are those who abound with spirituality. They're the ones who go to heaven. But no, it's blessed are those who know their spiritual poverty, who confess that poverty. They're the ones who are already in the kingdom of heaven. This is the fundamental paradigm of these beatitudes. We confess in order to receive. We confess our sin in order to receive Christ's righteousness. We confess our weakness in order to receive his strength. We confess our fear in order to receive faith. Blessed are those who are not good at being Christian. They're the ones in the kingdom. That leads us then to the second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn. Again, not what we would expect. Why is mourning a blessing? I think it's helpful to interpret these beatitudes in the order that they are provided for us. If we've come to terms with our spiritual poverty, then we should, of course, be mourning that. We know what it means to mourn losses in life. We know what it means to mourn loved ones who die. But do we know what it means to mourn our lack of intimacy with God? Do we mourn that? Do we know what it means to mourn the sin that separates us from God? Your your particularly favorite sin. The pietists used to have a phrase called your besetting sin. Your besetting sin may be different than the person next to you, but you know what yours is. I know what mine is. It's the sin to which you're most addicted. It's the one that'll get you every time. 
It's the one that makes you echo the Apostle Paul when he says, I keep doing the things I don't want to do, and the things I want to do, I can't seem to do. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Remember, Paul knew a lot of theology before he met Jesus. Eventually, what you know has to lead you to who you can know. The God who in Jesus Christ is dying to love us. When I was a pastor, some of my parishioners would periodically ask me why I don't preach more sermons about the judgment of God. What they're looking for is what I call the bad dog sermon. They want me to stand in the pulpit and wag my finger and essentially say, bad dogs, bad dogs. Don't do that in here, take that outside. <laughs> the striking thing to me is how many people like the bad dog sermon. They sit out there in the pews, they look like scolded golden retrievers. You're right, I did it again, that's why I'm here. The reason I don't preach bad dog sermons is that I don't think any of us are confused that we're bad dogs. <laughs> but what many people find very confusing is the grace of God. Because they, it's a foreign concept to them. The grace of a God who in Christ came and found us when we got lost trying to self-construct life on our own. A grace of God that heals our wounded, broken hearts grace of God that restores us to communion, a grace that frees us to live out of a vision worthy of our lives, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly. True spirituality is not a goal to be obtained. It's a grace to be humbly received. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, we're not talking about formulas to make ourselves spiritual. The disciplines are simply a means of attending to the grace of God in our life, who alone can bring us back to life. And anyone who has attended to just how dependent they are on the grace of God, they inevitably become meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, not what we would expect. Blessed are the meek. I think Jesus is the only one who talks like this. Imagine a coach saying to the team, okay, I want you to really be meek out there on the field today. <laughs> Politicians don't seem to get very far with meekness. Corporations do not send their employees to meekness seminars. And you even wonder how far it's going to get you in a precept or a staff meeting. But what if it did? What if that characterized our community here? What if Princeton Seminary's reputation was, oh, that place, the people there are so meek. <laughs> it could happen. It could if we wanted it to.
if we weren't too anxious to be meek. It's important to keep in mind that meekness is not the same thing as weakness or passivity, which typically leads to victimization. A good synonym for meekness is gentleness. And actually, only the strong can be gentle. And that's what Jesus Christ does for us. This grace gives us the strength of Christ. In Christ, we are made the beloved of God. We are cherished. We are made the heir of God, the joint heir of Christ. Or as Paul says in Ephesians, in Christ we've received every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places. You are strong. Certainly strong enough to be gentle to those around you. but you're not gonna be able to be gentle to anyone around you until you have first become gentle to yourself, until you have received this perfect love of Christ that cast out fear, so that you are no longer living with an anxious core. Mean people are always churning until it just erupts out of them. but not those who have received grace, who are finally at peace. Don't you think that the prodigal son was pretty meek when he found himself in the forgiving arms of the father? As compared to his older brother, who was churning with self-righteousness. The prodigal knew he was forgiven. And so all that was left was gratitude. And the grateful find it easy to be gentle to the people around them. I'm continually impressed how much of spirituality is essentially just about paying attention. Paying attention to all of the grace that we have received, the grace that's breaking into each day more than we can even see, much less receive. And then being made grateful for that grace. And then finally being freed to do what you know you're called to do, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. To spend your life doing that which is just, which builds the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. This inherit the earth language is a metaphor for uh, find themselves in the right place. And how do you get life to the right place? You don't achieve, you don't earn it. According to the text, you inherit it. That's why we call it a blessing. Blessings can only be received. You can't earn a blessing. You can't pry one out of the hands of God. You can just receive blessings. And they're the most important things in life. Think about the most important things in your life. Your relationships, the people who love you, who you love, your family, your calling, your health, the breath in your lungs, the glimpses of truth and beauty you get in each day. Which of these things did you earn? They've all come only as a grace. That's your inheritance. 
It makes you strong enough to be gentle. Life begins only by grace. It is redeemed only by grace. And blessed are the meek who know how to receive each day as more unfolding mystery from the grace of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.